0: is now being recorded. (laughs) Are you there? I am here.
1: Hi, Elizabeth. Nice to meet you.
0: Hi, Victor. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this movie. I'm just, I'm so in love with it. It's such a beautiful, passionate, elegant, funny story, and I... I'm just so excited to hear how you came up with this. So that's actually my first question, is just talking to me about the inspiration for this particularly lovely story.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for saying such lovely things. I'm so pleased that you enjoyed it. Uh, I was traveling in in France in the late 80s with my girlfriend at the time, and we stayed at the home of older friends of hers who were married and who had this kind of uh, relationship. And it was holiday time and there were parties and the wife was there and the husband was there and the boyfriend was there and the girlfriend was there and I thought, what is this? I have not <laughs> seen anything. You know, I'm a suburban middle class kid. Uh, this was, this was not in the, in the, in the manual growing up. But she said, just, you know, keep quiet, behave yourself, keep your eyes open. You might learn something. And I did. It was elegant. It was respectful. It was, there was a, uh, a clear set of rules. Um, everything uh, was uh, very carefully choreographed. No one ever was embarrassed. And I thought, you know, it may just be that there are other moral handbooks than the one you were given, uh, other ways to solve what, in these people's opinion, was the problem of monogamy, right? And uh, I, so I kind of stuck it in my pocket and hoped that at some point it would develop itself into a story, which eventually it did.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's, it's interesting as a viewer, you know, your first in- instinct, at, perhaps as an American, you know, is to think there's something very wrong with this. And yet you just inherently give over to the story right away because there's something so beautiful about it and I think we can all understand sort of the want and, the, and for that passion, and and so I just thought it was so lovely to have the juxtaposition of both cultures in the film. I I thought it was amazing. Well,
1: well, thank you. I mean, it's it's the power of love, right? I mean, it, exactly. The audience, the audience, you and I will root for love if we believe in it, and if we believe that it comes from a good and honest place. Uh, and I think it's stronger than the conventions of man. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, so did you have, as you're writing this particular script, did you have Anton and Berenice in mind already?
1: I think Anton was still in high school when I wrote the first draft <laughs> um, You know, I wrote the first draft in 2007, and it took until oh wow, uh, two, yeah, it took until 2013 to to uh get into production. So I guess Anton joined the project um probably late mid to late 2012. Uh you you can't really have anyone in mind when you're uh, you know that far from I imagined that it would be a long time because it always is for a first indie feature. Mm-hmm. Uh when you're that far from production. But I will tell you this, when I saw Anton in two thousand eleven in his film Like Crazy with the yeah. wonderful Felicity Jones I called the producers from the car on the way home and said is there any way we can give this to Anton Yelchin and I knew at that moment that I wanted it to be to be he and 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 um uh ultimately I would think that there was a a certain amount of rewriting of dialogue for him, although not too much. But some, you know, you hear a person's voice, you get it in your bloodstream, you tailor things a little bit. And in Berenice's case, you know, Elizabeth, it's a very short list of authentically French, beautiful, incredibly warm, intelligent, uh, well-spoken in English, internationally famous French actresses. It's a shorter list than you think. So you have to wait until you have to wait until someone you know falls in love with the material A and is available B. I mean, and this can be a this can be a while, but uh, fortunately for us she and for her she was in Skyfall, and uh, so that sort of gave her the box office clout, if you will, to be the lead in in a in an indie film. And uh, we had a lovely lunch with her, uh, in Santa Monica, the producers Bonnie Curtis, Julie Lynn, Barneys, and myself, and. and she said, yes,
0: oh, so lucky. She's just so perfect for this role. she just she just steals the two of them together are just electric in this most comfortable, beautiful way. There's just something I can't quite put words to. they're just the casting is just perfect.
1: I'm so glad you feel that way. You know movies like this rely on screen chemistry, which is not something you can be sure of until the day. You know, you, right. can hope, you can hope and you can guess and you can, gosh, they seem to have it in rehearsals, but until you see it on the screen, you're just not sure, not 100%. And and I, I give Bernice uh, a, a ton of credit in this area. You know, she is the one, one who communicates with her eyes, with the way she touches him, with the way she holds his head in her beautiful hands, how she feels about him. It's not all in the lines. And it's not exactly a note you can give an actress, please love the actor. They have to, <laughs> right. you know, bring this naturally to what they're doing. But she is, as you see her uh, on the screen, she is in real life. She's an extremely warm and, and loving person. And she radiates that uh, with Anton. And, and I, I believe that that is the... He responds, of course, but I believe that as the older of the two characters, uh, the one with more power, if you will, in terms of mm-hmm. the balance power of the relationship,
0: I believe the responsibility is principally hers. For sure, yeah, no, and that is, it comes through very successfully. So I, I imagine that must have been just lovely to work with them because they just seem to get it.
1: Yeah, you couldn't ask for. For better partners, and and in uh, in any movie, but certainly in a in an intimate story like this, you know, your lead actors especially really do become your partners. I mean, you're all in this together. You, you know, you're trying to talk through some some pretty complicated sets of emotions for their characters. You're trying to help them uh, to see clearly what's going on in the scene and in the greater picture. You're answering. Questions about the backstory. I mean, both of these actors have an enormously intellectually responsible uh, method of going about their business, and they want to know, you know, where this person went to school and what this person thought when they were eighteen. And you'd better have those answers. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, but but you you appreciate that curiosity. You appreciate that attention to detail, that energy, and that passion. Um, Anton is, you know, you have conversations with him that 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 are the tip of the iceberg of the conversations that he has with himself before he ever walks out in front of a lens. This is an enormously well-prepared actor, and Berenice too. And don't forget, Berenice is working in what is uh, arguably her third language, because her Spanish wow. is fantastic. So you know, here's a person who's been, who's been who's been presented with all you know. Some of the sentences are complicated, and the vocabulary is a little bit advanced. And she learned everything. She speaks like a native speaker, and it's because of hard work. It's because of, of home study. It's because of you know, not allowing themselves to. To come to the set until they were 100% ready, and that's also not a note you can give. That's the professionalism of the of the actor in question, and you're endlessly grateful.
0: That's great. So, so oh, I just wanted to talk about your um, writing in general. So, from Tad Hamilton to That About You and to Five to Seven, you write really strong, you know, not cliched female characters, and I just want to say that I very much appreciate that
1: thank you elizabeth that's That's a great compliment thank you <laughs>
0: where do Where do you think that i mean that general insight comes from? Did you have very strong female role models or friends loved ones like where do you think that as as a male it sounds a little silly, but where do you think that that innate insight comes from? I think women are fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: I always have uh they've as as friends as girlfriends. Uh, relatives, I, I just love talking to them and knowing, knowing them and, and, and listening to their points of view. Um I, I, I love writing about them. They seem incredibly complex and wonderful to me and, and always, always filled with surprises in the best sense. Um that i I don't know because I'm a man, but it seems <laughs> that they go through life in a very profound way and and that and that they experience things that perhaps i I don't experience, certainly some things, like childbirth, for example, right. but other things right. also uh and I wanna know you know what what they're thinking I wanna know how they see it, and so I always ask and and uh. There, there have been thousands and thousands of hours of long talks with everybody, and so I guess that's that's part of it. Uh, I
0: just really like them. I like them. <laughs> that's good to know. I mean, it's very clear from the dialogue that you write, and, and and as a as a woman and as an audience member, it is trust me, much appreciated. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. So this film, for me, feels very much like a love affair with New York City as well. And so the locations are just to die for. I mean, inside the St. Regis, how do you even begin to, you know, sort of procure a location like that?
1: Well, this is why you need great producers. The producers on this film, Bonnie Curtis and Julie Lynn, uh, were just phenomenal in so many regards, but, but particularly that one. I mean, you write the St. Regis Hotel, you don't think it's going to be the St. Regis Hotel, is it? You know, <laughs> right. you, you think it's going to be, you know, Jimmy and Bob's Hotel, uh, somewhere <laughs> on the outskirts of time. But... It's it's the actual Saint Regis. Now, it so happened that the people at the Saint Regis were lovely. That there was a, you know, there was a dollar figure that we could sort of squint and barely afford. That they were in Mm -hmm. the middle of a renovation on on uh, one of the floors of their uh, hotel anyway. And so, if we if we took a certain number of suites, it was kind of good timing for them to let us art direct it temporarily the way we wanted. I mean, a lot of things have to fall into place. For it to go your way, and by the way, you're in the middle of a working hotel. It's not like we had the money to shut the place down. You, you right. can see, right. you can see in, in, in one of the one of the more uh, dramatic scenes, uh, not to give anything away, but there's a there's a uh, Saint Regis butler walking down the hall in the background. That's not an extra. That's an actual <laughs> Saint Regis butler going about his business. And you, you you know you're sitting at the monitor, going, oh my goodness, I hope I, I hope he's not going to this room, you know? right. <laughs> Um so as with everything in New York you do have to accept that there's a tremendous amount of life going on that's the strength of the place and it's also the the the, the peril of the place but uh at the St Regis you know they couldn't have been more welcoming they were uh they really bent over backwards to help us i think they liked the movie they they liked us they were excited by the you know the 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 sort of um good vibe in the air if you will we mm-hmm. shot outside in front for days and days also we shot on the balcony we, you know we had a crane across the street shooting mm-hmm. at the balcony with 700 people on 5th Avenue below us you know so there's a certain amount of pomp and circumstance that I think is fun for everybody uh assuming it doesn't get in the way of the day-to-day hotel business which hopefully we did not
0: yeah yeah that no, was it was gorgeous absolutely stunning.
1: It's Um, my favorite hotel. I think I'm allowed to say that. I mean, I just love it. I (laughs) I think you're
0: allowed to say that.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I I was privileged to stay in it years ago. Uh, I wasn't paying for it myself. It was a business trip, and I had never been in a place like that. I mean, it was just so so marvelous in every sense, everything about it. It was the perfect blend of, of elegant but not ostentatious, I loved where it was. I loved the building. I loved that it had been built in 1906 or whatever whatever it is. You know, uh, the marble back staircase, which if you've never gone up it, it's an experience in and of itself. The elevators, the ceiling. I tried to put as much of that in the film as I could because I think it's just uh, magnificent.
0: Yeah, it was a beautiful way. It was, I mean, it's just such a timeless backdrop into this very intimate Story, it just worked so well. It was just a beautiful choice. Thank you. Yeah. So talk to me about this great juxtaposition of Brian's downtown young culture versus Ariel's sophisticated uptown wealthy culture. I loved that.
1: Oh good, well, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money, he's saved up what he has from his, uh, you know, his, his childhood, his mm-hmm. summer jobs, it's whatever his parents have, have provided him with, which isn't much, but it's enough to afford a studio, uh, to, uh apartment on the outskirts of Murray Hill. Whereas she is living in a townhouse on E77th, you know, this is, this is a fabulous wealth. Fabulous wealth and and privilege and style and there is a certain way that an Upper East Side New York woman uh, presents herself, which is specific to that part of town, not just to this city. Certain blend of elegance, understatement. Uh, you know, the, the hair often held back from the face. The accessories. There'll be one. There won't be seven. You know, the 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 cut of of the clothing so crucially important. It's it's all very nuanced, and that I think is a, a naturally funny juxtaposition because he's barely getting by down there in Murrayville, <laughs> right. and she is really living in in uh, in in the on the highest uh, aesthetic level. So you know that's a, that's always a natural uh, good thing for a love story, right? The idea that people are coming from different parts of town, if you will.
0: Right, exactly. I always try to tell people who don't really sort of understand New York as as well as they should that it really is like being in different countries when you move from neighborhood to neighborhood. Yeah. and The the Side is so different. Yes,
1: and the Upper East Side is is certainly a pronounced, uh, to use your metaphor, a pronounced country. And we had the great Heidi Bivens, our costume designer, uh, who understood the, the clothing, uh, philosophy perfectly and was able to sort of take my bumbling ver- verbiage about it and translate it into beautiful clothes. Uh, and also the, the wonderful Janine Opelwall who, uh, was our production designer and, you know, slaved over every detail of that townhouse, for example, um, to make it look as though this, the, the uh, exactly as it should look for this couple.
0: That was great. So Glenn and Frank are such pros. Um, so they were such a lovely foil for Anton and Berenice. How was it working with, with those two? Well, this was just a privilege. I mean, oh. you
1: know, come on. It's Glenn yeah. Close and, and Frank Langella, and you kind of can't believe it when you hear that they say yes. You're just thrilled. Uh well, first of all, the most important thing to me was that we didn't that we went uh in another direction than so many other films I've seen with the shrill harping parents and mm-hmm. no one's good enough for my son and etc. I didn't want that rhythm, I didn't want that melody verbally sonically, and I didn't want it uh in terms of character either. I wanted a surprise. And so it it seemed sensible to me to to cast someone who's so, you know, gracious and lovely as Glenn and someone who's so subtle uh, with that magnificent baritone that Frank has. You know, these are not the clichés of anybody's parents. They they, they are expressing points of view that are different from one another and I hope surprising in terms of your expectations about what the mother and the father might say in this situation, how many movies have you heard where the mother says, Oh my god, this is an outrage, and the father says, Hey, good for you, son, she's so Go beautiful. Ahead. I, I, you know, I didn't want any of that. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, of course, I had my own parents in mind to a great degree uh they're not i think they they would be the first to say not as elegant as Frank and Glenn but <laughs> i think they would also say you know that they wish they they could be and that the, those are people who they really look up to and admire uh so and then of course there's the sheer talent and skill of these people i mean you're working with you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of hours of experience they have smoothest swings, Elizabeth. They just are so gifted. So plainly gifted. And you see it. You see it up close. It's not a mistake that they are where they are, that they've done what they've done. It's, it's, it's massive. And, and the idea that it's in, you know, your project is such a gift and that's all you, that's all you can think of. And then you try and, you know, uh, summon your courage and, and, and tell them how you think something should go or what your suggestions are. But it turns out they're both lovely and they're your partners and they want it to be great and they joke around with you. And, you know, in Frank's case, he's really become a mentor and a dear friend over the course of the last two years. I mean, uh, this is my first time as a director. So I was, uh, I had a lot of questions just about how the business is from this perspective. And Frank always has great answers.
0: Oh, that's such a that's so lovely to hear. You know, you you idolize somebody and you and you have sort of like a picture in your mind what they might be like, and then to hear that they're just so giving in that way is just so refreshing. It's so nice to hear.
1: It makes all the difference. You know, it's always better to have a warm set, which I mm-hmm. I I really believe this one was uh, because people are more relaxed and I think when you're relaxed you do your best work but it's also it becomes when you really do care for each other it becomes a a collective endeavor on a on a on a different level you know and and I I believe it's ultimately better for the work also
0: yeah so when you write in general what what is your process like can you take me through that Uh,
1: with pleasure I I generally know where I start and where I want to end, I generally mm-hmm. have a, a few signposts in the middle that I know I want to go past. Uh, and the rest of it is, is a process of finding it out on the page. Trying it. If it doesn't work, trying something else. Uh, I always start with theme, Elizabeth. What mm-hmm. is, what is it that this movie is about? Now, theme is different than message. I don't have right. messages right. in, in my work. At least I try not to. It's not my place to tell you what I think, it's my place to raise the question and let you decide what you think. And, and if I can do a good job of entertaining you and, and articulating both sides of the argument, so that maybe you and whoever you saw the movie with are still talking about it on the in the taxi on the way home, then then I'm extremely satisfied. But theme is very important, issues very important, character hugely important. Who is this person? What would he or she say? Is he or she going to be funny here? And if so, how is he or she going to be funny? Is it true to what we've seen from them before? Is it true to what they're going to be doing later in the story? is it true to the way people live on earth? And if it isn't,
0: you got to find something else. Yeah. Yeah. What do you how how long this is a very strange question, but as as a writer myself, I have actually gotten through um my uh partially way, I should say, through a feature, and I am literally stuck in transition. <laughs> so I I know exactly how it, how it ends. But I am stuck on literally page forty six and I've been stuck on page forty six for seven years. So what do you do when you get blocked?
1: Elizabeth, you are in the great valley of pages forty six to fifty four. <laughs> this is a known hazard. There are si- there are there are metaphorical signs up in the psyche of the collective writer saying, Look out for pages forty six to fifty
0: four. Oh god, it's awful. I mean <laughs>
1: So structurally speaking you're sort of in the middle of the story right yeah. and yeah. that and that means that you've that you're for many movies that means that things are going about to change gears a little bit
0: mm-hmm. so you have
1: to pick you have to pick your gear
0: yeah
1: pick your gear elizabeth <laughs> got to do
0: it thank you for the advice <laughs> and when,
1: and when you do when you decide where you're going and you pick your gear you'll be okay but uh, it's, you're, you're not alone. Everybody, everybody bogs down in the middle, I think, especially early in their writing careers. And yeah. my, my advice is just to write through it and be ready to throw out everything that you, that you try the first couple of times. You'll figure it out.
0: Fantastic. Great advice. <laughs> so, well, so now that you've made the, this jump for your first feature, I mean, what was your, what's your biggest takeaway, do you think, from making the, finally making the transition?
1: It's uh it's enormously satisfying to be able to get something on its feet the way you see it in in your head and you know I can live with whatever the audience says I can live with whatever the critics say I'm I'm completely at peace with it I, I have put everything I have into it uh, as a writer and as a director I couldn't have worked any harder or worried any more and you know sometimes you you work very hard and you do all the worrying but you don't get to make all the decisions and that's harder than this you know you, because so much of it is out of your control but here uh not that you make all the decisions but you're, right. you you make a lot of them and the the ones that you don't make alone you're talking to with your treasured and revered partners uh before you make them together so you 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 feel as though you you put your best foot forward and um come what may uh I'm good with that it was it was very very rewarding and actually strangely peaceful, Elizabeth. It's strangely peaceful even as you're working sixteen-hour days because you you know how it fits together in your head. You know what you're after. You know you're you're allowed to say without self-editing. Here's what I think this should be, uh, and uh, I found that to be just a, a a very a very calm and lovely way to live for twenty-four days.
0: That's great. Yeah, I feel that feels, it sounds like that would be very satisfying. It's just, it, you're seeing, you know, your creation, what you have in your mind, you know, sort of come to life, and that, that must be just the best feeling ever.
1: The best feeling is when you, you feel an audience connects with it. You know, I love to watch it with an audience because I love to see how they, how they react. What, mm. I, I, I love to feel what they're feeling, see what makes them laugh see how uh, closely they, they are on the story. And, you know, every screening, we've had a, a lot of, thank goodness of knocking wood here, a lot of real good screenings on this movie, but every screening is a referendum. Every audience is different. You learn every time. But those feelings where you, those moments where you really feel like you've touched an audience in some way, entertained them, tickled them, made them laugh, made them cry, made them think about something, Those 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 audience connection moments are are even better than the shooting moments. They're great.
0: Yeah, that's got to be such a different feeling because as an actor in theater, you know, I can feel that audience shift immediately in front of me. But when I'm on camera, you just, you don't know. It's sort of in everybody else's hands in in a lot of ways. So that's got to be really great to sit with audiences.
1: Right, I mean, you know, you you uh, you, it's the same instinct. Your your instincts as an actor are the 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 same as the ones I'm speaking of. It's impossible not to be uh, in some way emotionally linked with them as you're watching the film and to experience what they're experiencing. You would have to physically or 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 something put a wall up. Uh, Right, but if you let that guard down and you just say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel that." I'm going to concentrate on, on how they're reacting rather than on the movie, which I've seen 190 times. Right. Then you, right. then you, then you really learn something, and you really feel that you've had a, a collective experience. And you know, this is why we love theatrical releases, Elizabeth. This is why yeah. we love being in theaters so that people can see the movie 203 at a time it's a completely different experience seeing two or three hundred people than it is seeing it in your living room with maybe by yourself or maybe with two or three others things that are not funny when you're alone are funny when you're all together things that are moving uh, when you're all together can sometimes fall a little flat when you're alone this is the theatrical part of what movies are and it's crucial it's crucial to the, 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 the net net the bottom line
0: uh, of, the, of the form yeah, no, it, it's great. I love it. It's there's it's just it's a whole experience when you're with other people, and I think it's wonderful. So one last question before they take you away: the Central Park benches fit so perfectly in the script because they they're these these captured moments in time where people's stories either ended or began they're forever inscribed. So, how did they become part of the script?
1: Well. Uh, I've been aware of the benches for some time. Uh They're one of the many things that I love about Central Park. When I go there, which is as often as I can, uh, mm. living in L.A., uh, I always read the benches. They never fail to inspire me. They are so uh, articulate and moving and funny and fearless you know it's a it's an unbelievable thing how well new yorkers write when you when you say here are three lines what would you like to say for all eternity you can't believe how many good writers there are out there and and so you know i sometimes i just read the benches for for, i'll just walk around for 40 minutes just reading the benches so i knew about them and i knew that they were going to figure in the story again not to give anything away but there is a there is one bench that we wrote the rest of them are all legit and this happened because Bonnie Curtis, uh, one of the film's two producers with Julie Lynn, said, uh, you need an overture for this movie. You need a, uh, you need to stake a, an emotional claim at the top of this film. Tell the audience where it lives in emotional terms. And I thought that was a very good idea. And my idea was to use the real park benches. So we have a loyal legion of PAs and interns, and we sent them out into Central Park. There are, don't quote me on the numbers, but something like 9,100 benches. I think oh more than 6,000 of which at the time were inscribed. And, and I said, please write down anything that makes you laugh or moves you. And by the way, please tell us where it is so that we're not wandering <laughs> around like idiots looking for it. And they gave us a thick booklet, and we all read it, and we sort of cross-checked our lists of the ones that we thought were funny and interesting and moving. And uh, But what I didn't know, what I didn't know was that it, they were going to be good chapter markers, because the experiences mm-hmm. that they describe are so universal that they relate to what you've just seen you know, or what you're about to see in, a, in an unexpected way. Um, and, I, and I thought uh, subtly that made exactly the comments I wanted to make, which is that, you know, there are huge
0: things even in seemingly small lives yeah it's gorgeous i'm just such a fan of it and i think it all came together so beautifully and i'm very very excited to write about it and just so thrilled to be able to talk to you this morning
1: thank you elizabeth the the pleasure is mine thank you so much it was it was uh, it was just great speaking with you
0: absolutely have a wonderful rest of your day and i'm looking forward to whatever comes next from victor levin
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I look forward to the next time.
0: Thanks. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye.